So Farhaj and I want to thank everyone for coming onto the podcast. It used to be called We Strive, the We Strive podcast hosted by me, Corey McCain, founder of We Strive. And now I brought on my co-host, Farhaj. Farhaj, want to introduce yourself really quick? Hey ho, I'm Farhaj Main, the CEO of Canna and a super passionate enthusiast <laughs> about building startup ecosystems here in the Midwest and Texas. There you are. Yes, you, you love you love your startups. So we love talking about, we're not just talking about startups though. We're interviewing a lot of amazing people outside mm-hmm. of the startup world too. Anyone that's created any kind of business or has grown any sort of brand, we want on our podcast. We've already interviewed some amazing founders from around the world. Uh, we interviewed the guy that literally ran, uh, I mean, he was doing all of the so the online security for Bill Gates and he was part of the Obama administration. And then he was like one of the first hackers at the CIA. Wild. Uh, we've inter- it was a crazy, like we've interviewed people that have had millions in sales, billion dollar exits. So e-commerce, let it and Ed Hardy. I mean, it, it's so, been really cool. cool. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's been a good time. So we're excited for you guys to be here. This is just the first season. We have a whole lot more episodes coming and uh, yeah, thanks for being a part of our journey and hope you guys subscribe and tune in every week and enjoy the podcast. Welcome to Building Fires. So this week we have Russ Wild. Actually, I don't, he didn't really pronounce his last name. So I'm going to say Russ Wild and we're just going to go with that. It could be. Yeah, what's cool. popping, y'all? I'm with Corey and OKC at the house with Michael the Mike. That's right. There we go. Um, so basically, inside joke that we just told that you guys didn't hear, so yeah. we're just gonna we'll go with it. It's Michael the Mike. Michael the Mike. Our microphone, his name is Michael. So Russ is an incredible guy. Uh, met him on LinkedIn about a year, year and a half ago. And we finally, he's very busy, so we finally got him on the episode. I yeah. reached out about seven months ago and I finally got him. This so. publication is dope. Yeah, they're killing it. So he's the co-founder of Front Office Sports. He's been with the company for years now. And, and they covered the business of sports. Boom, there you go. Yeah. That's, that's all you need to know. They also have their own podcast, too. But you got to go check out Front Office Sports. Um, you've probably actually already seen their articles around the world. Like, you've just seen their, if you follow sports yeah. at all, you've read one of their articles. So um, happy to have, have him on the show. He breaks down the company. But it was like, uh, you know, kind of starting it off and growing it and then what they're about to do, uh, you know, in the coming months. So it was really yeah. dope. He talked a little bit about how they approach investigative journalism too, and, you know, bring their big scoops and get featured on the big publications. So super excited to have him. Really fun chat. Mad casual energy and good vibes. Hope you all enjoy it. But have you guys raised like past rounds? Are you guys like a startup? Like what's your financial like, like situation there? Like, is it all just bootstrapped or where are you guys at with that? Yeah. So, I mean, I guess I'll get into kind of the backstory. Uh, so we, Adam started it in 2014, started front office sports, okay. uh, really just as a way for him to break into the sports industry. And so we thought, Hey, let me interview executives, publish those on a blog, see if I can get anybody outside of my parents to read the damn thing. And then I joined on probably five months after he started it, once he came back to Miami. So we both went to school together. You know, he did it as a summer project, came back to school, said, Hey, I'm working on this thing. If somebody wants to help me out, you know, I'd love to, I'd love to sort of build this with you. And it was really just like a, a project for us, nothing crazy at the time. And then, yeah. you know, uh, went through years and years of just pumping out content, never making a dime. And then in 2018, we raised, uh, you know, our first, any our first dollar really and so we raised uh less than less than a million but you know that was sort of the the initial sort of investment in 2018 and then nice kind of going through uh that's that was sort of the financing i guess of the of fls and been you know kind of plugging away ever since that's really cool i guess like 
So how do y'all monetize? Is it like subscription based or is it free for the most part? Are y'all like layering in? Yeah. So today it's all free. Uh, and so our, you know, look like we are a kind of B to B to C publication, right? So we mm-hmm. cover the business of sports. Um, you know, we have our daily newsletter that we monetize via advertising and then we have our, you know, more long form sort of content on our website. Yeah. Um, you know, I think like, we'll eventually like every media company will probably have a subscription. It just depends on kind of what that looks like, you know, whenever we're ready to launch it. But to date, it's all advertiser driven. That's amazing. I'm pretty bullish on like the future of long form, um, pretty much like written media, especially like even newsletter communities. Like I was reading a blog today on Twitter, a guy talking about, you know, billion dollar blogs uh, and then the future <laughs> of a lot of it is like super, super interesting topic to me because the athletic just announced that they hit like um a couple million subscribers right which is like almost half of the new york times yeah but they so like the athletic also they are you know it's a i don't know what their current price is but it's usually i don't know like 50 bucks a year right for us like we i think even today we could probably launch a hundred two hundred dollar a year yeah i think our our long-term strategy is like how do we how do we build a premium subscription for people that work in the sports industry so adam our ceo uh you know he points to sort of politico as like a you know uh, an entity that we should you know try to emulate emulate and study a little bit because they have their like politico has a subscription that they sell to people in politics and political research for like i think it's two thousand bucks a year It, it fluctuates but like that's that's a hell of a lot different to sell, you wow. know, 10,000, 20,000 of those subscriptions versus millions of $50 and below subscriptions. So it's, you know, Absolutely. that's the talk, talk of media right now, right? Is like ad supported versus subscription versus premium subscription. It's uh, it's a lot of, uh, a lot of talking about this stuff. Uh, yeah. Sort of the right folks on Twitter, but a lot of interesting conversations for sure. Yeah, I was going to say, I was on the website. I love to look and feel raw brand. And it's really cool how it's essentially, it's like the business of sports, you know, like that, even that tagline. Um, yeah. That's super cool. I haven't really heard of anything like that before. So yeah, don't be to eat up all the Corey Stimes. <laughs> I'm really excited to chat, man. I think this is going to be fun. No, I appreciate it. What do you mean? What do you mean Corey's time? What are you talking about? I mean, I have a lot of questions, but you know, yeah. um, but yeah. no, I, uh, I can vouch that it's a, definitely a legit and awesome um, platform because I was actually... When I, I was I was gonna work with Deshaun Jackson a while back, and he, his rep would always send me articles, and it was always front office sports, like every time it was like front office sports. Nice. And I, was, I was like, I got I gotta get a hold of Russ again. <laughs> and it's kept like he kept, oh, did you see this? And it, it was always a link of your guys' website. And it's like you know, he could have pulled ESPN, he could have pulled any other uh, platform, and he pulled you guys every time. That's so fire. That really cool. Um, so and he's very very well connected in LA with like. Um, Kobe, Kobe's old um, Mamba Sports Academy all that stuff and I was like this guy's super high up and he's pulling from front office sports so they have to be legit so um, but no I wanted to ask so like because I, I love I love how you told that the origin story and obviously you didn't go way into details but like it just sounded and I know it's not but it just sounded so simple and I've literally tried doing what you guys did like I didn't go that into it but like tried making a little blog or like tried doing posts and like you just see so many amazing success for- stories and you're like, Oh yeah, I just got to post a lot and the people, you know, and then I'll be rich. And it's like, it's just like, like how much, how much effort and like how, like how long did it take? And what, like, can you just kind of break down more of like, okay, your, your co-founder puts out the first article and then what, when was the point, you know, like where you guys are like, okay, we're actually going to, we're a real business now, you know? 
That was like 20 questions, sorry. No, no. So I think like Adam was so yeah, he always wanted to turn it into a business for sure. Or at least like after the first couple of years, he saw it like, hey, like this actually can be something. I was probably a little I don't want to say pessimistic, but just like it took me a lot longer to get there because there were sort of incumbents, right? And like I was working, so I'm two years older than Adam and I graduated and was working at a startup uh, called Thusio. And so like I, I was working in the sports industry while Adam was continuing to kind of build out the site and, you know, I would help out on uh, weekends and, and nights and things like that. Um, so he like, I don't know, he always was bullish. And a lot of it too is like he saw that really nobody was covering it except for one company, Sports Business Journal. And they, they had been around for, you know, a long time, but nobody had really kind of like, I don't want to say challenge them, but no, nobody was really covering sports outside of them. So it was kind of like, hey, maybe this is an opportunity for us. You know, we had seen a lot of other challenger brands, you know, back in 2016, 2017, sort of starting up, you know, in the DTC space and things like that. So it was, hey, like maybe we could be kind of the challenger brand to, you know, to that, you know, legacy publisher. And, um, you know, I, I guess it was really, there's two sides to content, right? Is like, one is actually, or three, one is actually creating it, two is getting eyeballs on it, three is making sure that people come back to read your next post. And I think it's, you know, a lot of people sort of nail the first part, like, it's easy to, you know, relatively easy, it just takes time to put out content, you just have to invest in into what it looks like into actually doing it. Um, you know, the second part is getting eyeballs on it, which is, you know, moderately easy. The toughest part is having people come back seeking out your content, right? And I think mm. you're, you're your buddy who's, uh, you know, the, the agent for, for Deshaun, right? It's like, you know, that just that word of mouth of people sharing our content, ensuring that our content is actually actionable for people to share with contacts and things like that. Like, that's actually the hardest piece. Like, everyone is launching a newsletter today. Everyone's putting out content. How many times are these newsletters that you see popping up actually being shared or actually being sourced, you know, as a credible sort of uh, outlet? Like, that's that's, I think, the, you know, uh, kind of the three pronged, I guess. it's not even an approach, but the three kind of elements that we kind of look, uh, you know, at content creation, I guess. At. No, absolutely. And then once you guys are doing like, once you're doing well um, and you go into that first round, like you start to become like a real startup at that point. Um, so what are, what are you like, what are your pitch meetings look like? What, what does your pitch deck look like? Are you just like, Hey, um, you know, we're killing it. We're going to keep killing it. Like what, like, what was your actual pitch to the investors? Uh, so it was a very, I would say like, I don't know, unconventional process, I guess. So Adam actually met, uh, Jason Stein, our, our lead investor. And, and, uh, I believe his technical title was chairman of the board. Uh, but Jason's basically, you know, he launched uh, laundry service and cycle, um, you know, sold that to Wasserman and then since has launched uh, SC holdings, which is, uh, you know, his kind of private equity, uh, sort of holding company, if you will. Right. So, Adam commented on uh, a podcast that we he went on for Digiday and just was like, you know, enjoyed the podcast, you know, and shared it on his personal feed. And then Jason kind of started paying attention to Adam and, and us at that point, right? And so then Adam just put out a tweet like two months later or something like that, like uh, saying, hey, it's, you know, it's crazy what can happen when, you know, some things go your way or something like Adam always says he was like in his feelings on the timeline. And for whatever reason, Jason saw it uh, and just said like, Hey, like, this is awesome. I like what you guys are doing. If I can help, let me know. 
Um, and so Adam sort of led through the investment process with Jason and he, you know, he knew that he was leaving his previous role and, and starting, you know, SC Holdings. And so at that point, um, you know, everything just kind of fell together and he was like, Hey, like, I love what you guys are doing. You know, the brand, you know, the brand is respected by a lot of people, despite the fact that you guys basically have no resources, you know, let's see if we can do this together and, and, you know, build a company that sits at the intersection of sports and business. That's um, so dope. Yeah, the power of Twitter is crazy. <laughs> like the serendipity, <laughs> yeah. just the degrees of separation. The for wildest sure. stuff happens on there. Yeah, yeah. Farhaj can talk for days about about Twitter. That's all he talks about on this podcast. I mean, that's <laughs> how I raised my whole pre-seed round. You know, with all the dope people that I met on Twitter. Um, one of our best, most helpful investor. Um, you know, Sully. He's amazing. I met him on Twitter because I did this like nuanced. You know, take like your uh, like your co-founder on like Hassan Minaj's episode on cannabis, and then he saw that and he pretty much like shot me a message in my DMs and he's like, "Yo, how does it feel, you know, to have a better looking product than your competitor who raised twelve million dollars?" And I didn't know if it was satire, so I, I literally told him, I "Was like, I don't know if it's satire, but it feels fucking great, <laughs> like you know." And we just hit it off, hopped on a Zoom call, and you know, the rest is history. But it, it definitely is a super powerful medium, and I, I enjoyed a lot. Yeah. How- Faraj, like how many investors were a part of your like round, I guess? Like, was it like a oh. bunch? Of, like, what did that look like, I guess? Because I think that's one thing, too, where it's like, yeah, there's so many people on Twitter that you're able to kind of tally up, you know, uh, 25 investors into one round or something. Like, what, what was the breakdown of that? Yeah. Round? I mean, it was really interesting. You know, we we kind of looked, we're, we're like tech size versus helpfulness ratio was what we were like most like over indexing for. Um, and all the investors that I wanted were people who I could just, you know, call on a rainy day and they'd pick up the phone and uh, they'd like work towards helping me out. But long story short, um, I think we have about 10 angels and yeah. three funds. So yeah. it's still a larger kind of a party round. Um, you know, our largest tech size was like 120K, uh, nothing too crazy. And we have no leads or cold leads. But that just speaks to the the value of Twitter, right? Absolutely. Like that, that was, you know, it was probably way harder to do that 10, 20 years ago than, than oh it is. Oh, my God. It was way harder to do that like two and a half years ago when I was working sure. my first startup. I did sure. like 295 pitches, got to one check. And yeah. this has just been insane. And I'm, now I'm like, yo, you know, why didn't I know this back then? <laughs> my Twitter club would be 50x, but at least I'm doing it now. Yeah. 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 yeah, Farhad got me started on the the whole Twitter VC and angel thing. But like, I've used Twitter for years just to like tweet dumb shit and like get my yeah. thoughts out there. And so it sucks now. But I actually kind of hate it because I'm like, <laughs> I, I I kind of just like dip my feet in the VC of Twitter world, but didn't actually go full in. So it's like I'll have like X amount of VCs or angels following me, and then I'm still tweeting dumb shit. And I'm Corey's never, like, tweets are ridiculous. Man. Yeah, so it's I'm like. Wild. I'm like, okay, I need to figure out where I want to where I want to do this. So, um, I still haven't gone full force, but yeah, the Farhaj is just one of many examples, along with you guys, of, of just how amazing Twitter can be for your business for sure. Um, and so, and so, you guys raise this amazing round, and you're you're all pumped up and everything. And so, what are the next steps you take? Like, you're you know, you're an online. Um, a platform for sports like are you going out and hiring a bunch of people are you just spending a shit ton of money on ads like what are the next steps for that yeah so you know we pretty much we only raised that one back in 2018 and kind of since then it's like you know we've just been kind of plugging away since then growing slowly but steadily right and i think the one 
the one thing for us is like, as we've have scaled kind of our newsletter, it's allowed us to hire a lot of these other folks. Cause that's, that's where we're deriving, you know, most of our sort of revenue from at this point is, or, you know, if it's not from the newsletter, like it's packaging up assets in the newsletter with, you know, other ways that we're able to kind of line brands with our content and just get them in front of our audience. Um, so it's largely, you know, we, you know, we're currently at, I think, 17 employees. Uh, so we've cool. gone from one to 17 awesome. in two years. Yeah. Two, yeah. It's basically two years because the end of 2018. So like it's been steady, but we don't, I think we're also very cautious of like just growing super quickly, like, and we want to make sure it's like deliberate and we're making the, you know, the right choices of who we're bringing onto the team. And did you, when you first started, like, do you ever think of it to be where it is now? Like when you'd actually have a career with this, this blog or was it just kind of like you wouldn't even think that was a possibility when you first started? Uh, I, I don't know. I mean, people always ask that. It's like, I, I kinda, I don't know. Like I always thought we could turn it into something for sure. And like, I don't know. I think it's over the last three years, it probably became more realistic just because like, I don't know, like you can kind of feel when people appreciate you know, your brand as a publisher, I guess. And you can like, you can see it like, you know, we obviously yeah. know the metrics and traffic and things like that. So I think uh, we always knew that it, it could be something like, you know, I think we still have a far way to go to where we, we want to be right. Like, you know, this, this thing is not stopping <laughs> in, in, you know, tomorrow, but um, yeah, I think we're really excited sort of about the traction in the last two years and, you know, continue to kind of grow and, and things are way different now. Like we didn't think that we always knew the newsletter was, like a big piece of, of FOS, but we didn't think that it was going to be like the biggest potentially. So I think wow. as sort of just the media landscape changes, like, you know, it's just interesting to see we're just in a far different position today than, than two years ago, I guess. That's really cool. And, you know, I was, I've always really been curious, especially for like publications, um, like, and you know, they first like create a culture where investigative journalism is really supported, but like, how do people get the scoop? <laughs> like, you know, yeah. I just saw like y'all broke out like the Can uh, Canelo, like filing the $280 million like lawsuit against DAZN. And I've always just been curious are some of these writers just extremely well networked and they know it just like serendipitously falls in their lap and they decide to cover it? Or is there a lot of like back channeling, um, you know, proactive investigative journalism that goes into most of these stories? Uh, it's. It's just a constant conversations with sources, knowing who to go to. And that's, you know, it's obviously not me. It's our, it's our editorial team, but yeah, you know, uh, they, you know, it's just constantly talking to people and even, you know, hitting them up on LinkedIn, texting them, sending them DMs on LinkedIn. Like, you know, I think reporters always have their like core sources for specific topics or, or yeah. whatever they're on. Right. And then it's like, you know, like people like to talk and, and there's probably, you know, there's probably information sharing too. It's like people know that if, if, you know, they're giving a report or something, if they have a question or if they're hearing something that's pertinent to their business, uh, you know, mm. maybe the reporter has information that they can help vice versa. And a lot of that in sports is in particular what you see in the agent world. So it's like, you know, there's a lot of sort of conversations around what players are leaving, which agencies, what agents are, you know, leaving wow. agencies. Right. And so it's a lot of like the people that are in the know and sort of get the tips with that. Like, you know, it's, it's just kind of back and forth and trying to figure out, Hey, like, what, what do you know? What do I know? And kind of back channeling that stuff. But that's definitely, I mean, 
don't 100 percent take my word for it but that's sort of <laughs> no, but that's so badass though our reporters yeah yeah like so how how like fat is your network like do you per, like your personal network just from this like do you just know like every reporter like do you know athletes like are you and like tom brady like texting like so like where like where, <laughs> where, where, and if, if you are let's talk about that but like um yeah what what is your network like just personally how, how has it grown since you started this uh, I, I mean, I, I've always, I don't know. I've always like talked just to a lot of people and like always take a phone call, always sort of meet with people. So like, I don't, I don't know if it's necessarily like grown. I think the one thing though is it's like different. Like I'm, you know, I have a lot of sort of contacts in media today when like two or three years ago I had no, nobody. Right. So it's just the same as, I don't know. I don't think it's like too much different than than probably you guys even right like it's it's just different you meet different people rather than like more people if that makes sense um, gotcha yeah do you guys have any plans uh or have you ever considered doing a physical paper as well uh we've no i mean we've thought about like we've thought about like maybe doing like a one-off magazine or something just like a cool kind of you know if it's on around a specific topic or something like that, but never like a, a weekly or bi-weekly sort of like print edition of any kind. Not like a sports illustrated kind of a thing, something like that. No, not, not now. I mean, I, I think it would be cool to do that eventually. Uh, yeah, like once, once it becomes more like not, not the norm anymore to have, I think. Uh, that, yeah. that would. Yeah. yeah. It's like once, you know, or even. I don't That's know, like, like a contrarian. <laughs> yeah. But, and even like from a monetization standpoint, like it, it could, you know, uh, we could do something on like, I don't know, we could do like an NFL uh, magazine around Super Bowl and have it be like our Super yeah. Bowl or something, but like around key temples like that. Have you seen that. Stripe Press? Say that again? Stripe Press? So Stripe, like the payments platform, they have this like <laughs> really awesome like publication part like to their company. Uh, no, and they no. just like bring in a lot of like subject matter experts to talk about like there'll be like books about engineering and it's like like one-off books that are like hyper relevant talking about the culture internally or just things that you know um like shift to delta significantly within startup verse um but it's awesome you know they drop the books every once in a while they're very like design focused and give it a look and feel um and you know i think something like that could be super cool where you look at like your best stories or some like breakthrough coverages or like have you know, a book that you kind of compile all of these like interviews that you've done with business executives and learnings, you know, um, I think that'd be awesome. But in a similar tangent, I notice y'all cover esports pretty aggressively. Um, yeah. One, love that. And two, when did that happen? <laughs> yeah, so kind of a funny kind of story. So like we, I think we kind of got a little bit of a, I don't know, like a lot of folks in the esports space or executives in the esports space took a yeah. lot because we didn't like we've been covering them really since probably 2017. Um, wow. You know, but like we didn't cover them as esports. We just covered them like we did everything else. Like we didn't yep. until recently, we didn't really have a dedicated esports like section on our site. We just weaved it in with everything else. And I think for some reason that kind of actually bought us more credibility with folks in the esports industry because uh, one of the things that is often talked about is like esports is like it's treated as this kind of like different sort of sector when like you know they're athletes like, too yeah exactly and there's a lot of conversations about that sort of from folks yeah. in, in the industry so 
like we didn't do that purposely. We just did it because we didn't, you know, we weren't really trying to build a publication. We were just doing it to do it. But we had kind of folded them in with our other coverage, um, mostly via the newsletter. So yeah, we, we've been covering that extensively. And Ian, Ian Thomas, our editor, um, you know, the three sort of core sports, if you will, that he covers extensively or has a soft spot for is, is soccer, hockey, and, and esports. Uh, so it's it's been a part of our coverage extensively, specifically since since he came on board for sure as well. That's awesome. Yeah, I don't know too much about esports. Um, I put the video games down the moment I started my company. So for, for like addictive reasons. I don't know. I so. saw somebody really, uh, you know, going at it on Fortnite the other day, if I remember hey, correctly. every <laughs> once in a while, every once in a while I'll relapse. So yeah, you know, there's definitely... a lot of cool stuff happening. Like one of my buddies started this like thing called, it's like an event that they put together virtually called Startup Survivor. And yeah. uh, they were doing it for Remote Week, uh, the company called Yak, um, pretty awesome company. They were just hosting it recently. And essentially what they do is they get like a VC and a founder on a Fortnite game and you get to pitch the VC till y'all die. Um, yeah, and like I've seen some pretty incredible conversations and I don't know if anybody has gotten a check from like their conversations yet, but um, it's really cool. And I, I, I love like the future that esports is headed into and it's definitely started to get pretty wild though especially like the, the pools for the prizes right. like even the distribution channels that these gamers you know who are at home even the ones who don't competitively play uh, are able to build now because of twitch and a lot of the other streaming platforms and i would love to hear some of your thoughts on yeah i guess like the future of like media within esports and beyond you know yeah so it's one one interesting kind of piece of that is like there are there's you know, esports athletes, I think, and then there's influencers. And I think a lot of times in, you know, uh, folks kind of like conflate the two where it's like, it's like ninja versus like those legal legends titans. Yeah. And, and like there's, you know, like ninja probably, you know, he makes far more than those, you know, the quote unquote professional professional gamers, right. That are actually like in tournaments and things like that, just because his, his Twitch presence is ridiculous or wherever he's streaming now. I know he's moved around a bit, but like that's, that's sort of an interesting thing is like these, the athletes themselves or the, you know, creators, whichever sort of term you want to use for whichever type of person it's like, are, you know, like Ninja would pro will probably never join a team quote unquote, even if his ability was at that level, because financially it doesn't make sense for him to, he can make far more doing his own deals and, and streaming. Totally. And like that. So that's, that's one, uh, you know, it's pretty much more of like a celebrity or a personality. Yeah. 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 So it's, uh, you know, that that's one sort of area where it's, you know, it's interesting to see how like people break down. Is this esports? Is it gaming? Is it, you know, influencers, like what sort of is the, the term or label to kind of get, and it's less about the term, but it's like more about how those folks, the individual, you know, athletes are sort of like taking Absolutely. Brand deals and working with folks. But Yeah. I mean, talking about brand deals, I know he's not an athlete, but you know, Travis Scott just came out with the cactus Jack McDonald's collab and yeah. <laughs> in a similar vein. I think a lot of athletes, you know, um, over time, like starting with the Jordan collaboration and Nike all the way through like a, a lot of the other moves that they've done. Um, I'm curious to know, like, have you seen any trends or are you really excited about the future of like the personal brands that these athletes are able to build and then kind of shift that into, you know, building businesses, supporting them or partnering up with them? Yeah, it's uh, particularly sort of like the latter, I guess, like we've seen a lot of athletes now where, they'll talk to a brand that, you know, maybe it's not Nike, maybe it's Nike 
30 years ago and sort of take equity in, in those, you know, in those brand partnerships, right? Where it's, you know, more sort of upside for the athletes. And that's not just for apparel brands, you're seeing it even with tech and sort of other, you know, other types of startups, right? So that's, for sure. that's one thing that a lot, uh, you know, I think a lot of the agencies are starting to kind of dive into is trying to, I guess, represent these athletes almost as, I don't know, like, they really are like their their personalities and brands are just business enterprises. And how do you what what's going to be the most how do you extrapolate the most value from that? Is it just straight dollars? Is it equity laden deals like that's something that, um, you know, I don't think there's there's some folks in the space that are doing it at a sophisticated level. But outside of those folks, a lot more sort of agents are looking towards that, you know, as a way to kind of, you know, service their athletes, I guess. Yeah, and I'm glad Farage took over the mic for a sec because I just like went to town googling everything you guys were saying play by play. <laughs> um, so I'm all I'm all caught up on on everything. Um, so so what is your main focus uh, with front of like what like is it esports? Is it like football? Like what is your main? You're like, hey, we have to nail this, or or else we're not going to exist. Yeah, so I think it's like we kind of break it down as to how does sports you know, it's the intersection of business and sports. And we kind of define that as how sports intersects with, you know, tech, fashion, media, marketing, what have you, sort of these other industries as a whole. And like, mm-hmm. for instance, we say we don't cover sponsorship, we cover advertising, we don't cover ticket sales, we cover hospitality. And it's sort of taking that like, you know, uh, I guess more high level sort of view at how sports is intersecting with these other spaces. Like even, even the wall street journal, right? Like they cover sports, you know, a lot of it falls under sort of like the lifetime or uh, not lifetime lifestyle sort of section for them. It's, it's, you know, and they, they do cover sports very well when they do cover it sort of from a finance level, but you know, a lot of their content is lifestyle laden. So it's just, uh, you know, that's sort of the level that we try to, you know, kind of cover from a, an editorial perspective is how sports intersects with these other, you know, industries, if you will. Gotcha. And then, um, so what are, what are the main things that you guys measure? Like, are you all about subscribers or like daily read times? Like what, like, what are the main like KPIs that you guys have? Yeah. So, uh, every Friday, Edgar, who leads her, uh, audience and strategy for us, he, basically sends like a gigantic email with all the KPIs we track. And so, you know, classic it's, Edgar. It's classic Edgar. He's, uh, he's, he's done sort of an amazing job just like helping us, I think, organize a lot of what we've been doing from like an audience perspective and just get smarter about who the hell is actually reading us and, and what do they want us to kind of, you know, to cover, I guess. But anyway, it's, you know, active newsletter subscribers, right? How many folks are on our newsletter list and, and opening, you know, we, we define active as opened in the last 30 days. Um, although, you know, 25% of our audience opens five days a week, right? But that's that's how we define active. Uh, we look at obviously page view traffic on site. Uh, we look at uh, time, uh, time on page or time, you know, how long they've sort of spent on an article. Like, are people actually reading the full article or just kind of clicking into it and, and jetting off? Uh, and then we also track like where traffic is coming from, obviously. So like Google versus Twitter versus LinkedIn versus if we get picked up by a CNBC or a Fox business or something like that. So yeah, uh, those are some like the high level, uh, I guess, stuff that we track on a, a weekly basis. And how often do you guys get picked up on those bigger like, you know, networks? Uh a, a lot, luckily. It's uh, so that's, yeah, I think, something that, like, you know, obviously kudos to our editorial team, but I don't know. I would say once a week, maybe, like, 
Yeah. Yeah. It's not, there, uh, the, it's gotten to the point where it's like, that's, it's, you know, it's no longer a thing when we get picked up, I guess. Like a ring a bell or anything. Yeah. 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 Gotcha. Wait, so is there like a formula for that? Like, is, or is it just like, you've just done it so many times. It just kind of just keeps happening and it just is what it is. No, I think it's, uh, it's really just like covering one, like a lot of like, you know, I guess like newsworthy companies, like if we're covering ESPN and what happens with one of their, you know, if a, a talent, you know, gets a new contract or something like that. Right. Or, you know, just covering sort of the, the biggest brands in sports. Like we're obviously so close to these, these organizations that we're able to kind of like work our, you know, work the sources and try to get to the root of the issue from the editorial perspective. So like just being, I don't know, just being sort of like known as like the go-to for sports business, um, and being able to kind of cover these high profile brands, like it, it allows us to get picked up or, you know, it's like, cr- we consider that kind of like crossover, I guess, uh, content where it's like, you know, is CNBC going to cover everything that we covered? No, cause they're a general business sort of, you know, outlet, but you know, if fanatics takes a huge investment and we break that story, or if, you know, Tony Romo gets a giant contract, like, you know, if we're, as long as we're first, we're going to get sourced that way. So that's, uh, that's, that's why we continue to kind of invest in the editorial, uh, front and, you know, hire like true journalists is cause we, we do see so much value in that. And, you know, it's, it's helpful to our brand at the end of the day when we're, you know, linked back to, or people say, Hey, according to front office sports, Michael McCarthy, blah, 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 blah. But that's, uh, yeah, well, absolutely. Yeah. Hopefully that makes sense. That's so awesome. Are you exploring like other mediums too? Like I saw, um, I was a really big fan of the fundamental series where they pretty much like interview, like all of these experts yeah. and get like, you know, insider, uh, perspective but yeah i would love to know you know like podcasts are awesome and i feel like there are so many new like different mediums of of um like writing too um you know like you mentioned from your newsletter to the actual publication so yeah i mean we so we have uh we have a podcast office hours we don't really promote it too much we just kind of let it do its own thing we you call it office hours yeah, yeah. That's dope. <laughs> we have, yeah. uh, That's a solid name. Yeah. That is a solid name. <laughs> so, so we have that, which uh, is hosted by Adam. And then um, we have Fundamentals, as you mentioned, which is kind of like our, our weekly or twice weekly live show. We're actually restarting that, I believe, if not next week, the week after we're starting our next, I don't know, season, if you want to call it that. Um, so we do, you know, uh, the video, we do podcasts. I think for us, like, we used to do a lot more uh, video content, but I don't know, we've just sort of realized that leading into the newsletter and, and focusing kind of our efforts and growing that, um, is just sort of more beneficial for the business in the long term. Mm. you know, we kind of, we've always prided ourselves in sort of being like a digital first publication. So we're constantly, you know, churning out sort of, you know, new, uh, new platforms, whether it's podcast or video, what have you. That's freaking awesome. Yeah. Oh, sorry, I was muted. I had a question. I, I was, I was, I always do every episode. I do that. I just talk to myself, and I'm like, God, they're not <laughs> responding to me. Um. Anyways, uh. So, what makes you guys really stand out? Like, obviously, the business, you know, branch of it. But I mean, like, like as a, I mean, you can really this anything. Like, you know, as a as a fitness app. Like, why does my post about dumbbell curls different than you know our competitors post about demo curls so it's like how do you guys stand out as a company when there's so many other you know sports and fitness platforms out there um i i mean i guess it's just the the 
the quality of what we're doing. I mean, just to simplify it like incredibly, like, you know, I think we, we've always tried to stay away from fluff. Like we try to never really cover press releases. Like we've always told people like like, drama and stuff like that. Like, yeah. Or even like, you know, like, you know, uh, X tech company has a new feature. Like we don't care. Like, yeah. Nobody cares about that, right? Like it's it's that's something that if you want us to push that out, it'll be a brand partnership with us. But like we don't cover. I think people just know that we don't cover kind of the fluff. And, and at the end of the day, when they read something on FOS, hopefully they're going to learn something from the article or glean some sort of insight that they won't find anywhere else. And I think you know that's something that we're constantly kind of pushing our editorial team to evaluate and make sure that you know we're not just putting out stuff just to put it out. Like we're trying to genuinely have some sort of you know if somebody reads this and is spending their time on front office sports that they're actually getting something from it. Yeah. And then what, what do you do on a daily basis? Like besides, you know, do awesome podcast interviews. Um, like <laughs> what, what, what is your, what is your like day to day look like? Yeah, it's, uh, a, I mean a little bit of everything. So, you know, uh, everything from, it just, it kind of depends on, on the week or month, right? Like we're running around a million miles an hour trying to, you know, uh, just in, improve sort of different areas of the business. So, you know, one week I'll be focused on, I don't know, kind of product and, and launching our website. The next week it'll sort of be focused on sales. The next week it'll be, okay, what what internal process do we need to set to, you know, make sure that everyone's on the same page or, you know, what editorial processes we need to put in place. It's kind of, kind of runs a gamut, but, uh, you know, to the next it's, you know, working on the monthly financials. Like it's, <laughs> it kind of really runs the gamut, but you know, I, I get bored very easily, so I don't mind that either. anyway. If, if I can sort of jump from area to the business or from one area to the business to another on a week by week kind of basis, that's, uh, you know, that's always kind of just keeps me sort of intrigued and, and you know, on my toes and whatnot. And also it's good because yeah. like I can kind of have that, I guess, like understanding of how all the areas of the business operate. So that way I can kind of like help connect the dots internally where it's like, hey, like, you know, Paige, you should go talk to Edgar on this or you know, Amanda, you should talk to Joe on this and kind of try to connect the dots internally. I just like, it's so crazy to be how massive sports is in the U S cause I was born and raised in Dubai and like in India, it's pretty much like cricket and then like yeah. soccer. <laughs> and then like in Europe, it's pretty much like football and then sometimes rugby, you know, and it, there's like one or two like primary sports, but from baseball to hockey, to basketball, to football, um, it like the culture here is so different. And, you know, from like a brand perspective that's doing media and sports, I think like, you know, Barstool Sports being acquired for like $420 million for a small stake in their company recently from Penn National. Like it just goes to highlight how much, you know, brands like credibility or like that credibility arbitrage, the ability to have that, um, you know, generate that. And also to to reach out and like be able to communicate in an awesome way with people who are passionate about sports or the industry is so... Yeah, it's it's just so wild to me. <laughs> yeah, and I I think like just to add to that too, it's like the the reason why we've been able to kind of scale just our yeah. audience that we have is because like sports is a crossover consumer industry, the same True. way fashion is, the same way tech is, right? So when we look at like our audience, we kind of you know it's yes, it's people that work in sports, but it's also folks like you guys who you know, maybe sports touches 5% or less of your job, quote unquote, but you love sports, you love business. And, you know, you'll spend a half hour reading about your favorite teams, leagues, athletes, what have you, and sort of the off field stuff there. Right. So I think that's, 
that's another reason why I think we think the opportunity is just, you know, like that's why we see ourselves as a B2B2C publisher and not just yeah. purely a trade publication, right? Is because we know that there's crossover interest in this stuff, um, you know, and it's just a matter of, you know, trying to continue to grow to a, a wider base rather than just, you know, people that work at teams or leagues or anything like that. And then speaking of what Farhaj actually mentioned, um, so do you guys only cover kind of like US and Canada or like, what do you guys branch out worldwide or like, where are you at with that? Yeah. So we, uh, 95% US, uh, when we do cover sort of international teams or topics, it's like how, you know, it's like when Messi leaves Barcelona. <laughs> yeah. Or, or it's like, how is Barcelona? Like what's their approach here in the States or like, how are they growing? Like, you know, their U.S. presence with partnerships or with the ICC or something, right? So, um, and that's, you know, we want to make sure to capture capture everything we can in the U.S. kind of before moving, uh, you know, to other markets and whatnot. Um, but, you know, that said, like 10% of our audience or so is from, you know, outside the U.S. So it's, it's not like we don't yeah. have readers there, but they're, you know, the other thing too is like in the sports industry, if you talk to people that work in Europe or, or work in China, like the U.S. sports ecosystem is just so far more ahead, I guess, from a commercialization standpoint than these other markets. So like those markets are looking to the U.S. in terms of what's coming next for them. Um, and I think that's, you know, so the people that do read us are sort of like trying to get a glimpse of the U.S. market to position that or take that and, you know, work in London or Australia or wherever sort of they are. And what does that conversation look like for you guys? Like, like, do you talk about, you know, expanding to Europe every other week or is it kind of nah. like now we're not going to do for a few years? Like, what does that look like? Yeah. I mean, honestly, we haven't like, we probably haven't talked about it two years. Like <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's, it's definitely like, like we never really, you know, we never really consider it just because yeah. we know there's still so much room here in the States for us to, to capture. Gotcha. Okay, there are gotcha. challenges too. Um, I don't know. I mean, there are a lot of, you know, like tools that you can use to auto like transcribe now, but you know, for the most part, like the language barriers and being able to effectively communicate to the audience, like across Europe, because, you know, they're pretty dominant in you know, using like, you know, their primary language to communicate, to read, to consume content. in. Um, I think that's like a pretty ginormous task and it, yeah. it could be really interesting to find out like how, you know, publications approach having the exact same feel um, and conveying the story in a way that's also exciting to, you know, people who live in multiple countries across Europe speaking totally different languages. Yeah. yeah. The, the other thing India too, could be cool, though. Everybody speaks English in India. Yeah. yeah. The, the other thing, too, with, like, global expansion, quote-unquote, for us is that there's a hell of a lot more kind of geopolitical, like, I don't know. Uh, yeah. Just issues, I guess, with like with a lot more uh, international sort of sports and whatnot. So like to cover, you know, to cover, I don't know, some soccer league in France or wherever, like or some soccer league or yeah, basketball yeah. in China. Like there's just it's so much different that like I don't I, our current staff, like it's just a different sort of way of covering the U.S. sort of entities than than overseas. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so what, uh, what are the next steps for you guys? Like where, like where in the next year are you guys planning on going to, are you expanding further into any specific categories? Like, what are you guys doing? Yeah. yeah. So I guess what's like the overall vision too for the company? Yeah. So the, you know, the, the, the vision, I guess, is like building the Politico of sports, right. For have, you know, so we would have this 
kind of scaled audience of people that just want to consume, you know, sports business related content, but then eventually, you know, building some sort of subscription for, you know, the pro users, quote unquote, or people who work in the space. Um, you know, I think in terms of what's next for us, I guess, like definitely continuing to kind of be, I don't know, like providing more, uh, just, identifying trends earlier, I guess, right? Like, I think it's a lot of the the publications in the space, like everyone's sort of like covering the same topics, covering the same people. And it's like, just what are those minute kind of details that our publication can provide that others can't. But I think like, just trying to be like, really the go-to source, we're always covering things first, we're always talking about issues first, we're always identifying things before other people in the space. Like that's, that's kind of how we continue to win, I guess. And, and, you know, priority for us from an editorial standpoint. Yeah. But well, Russ, this was an absolute pleasure having you on the pod. I think this was an awesome, really fun conversation and the listeners are going to be pretty excited to hear about everything that we got to chat about, (laughs) but yeah, this is the part of the pod where we wrap it all up and it goes by you dropping your name, your handle, where people should look for you and how they can find you. So I'll let you take yeah. the stage. Cool. So uh, Russ from Front Office Sports, uh, you can follow us at F-R-N-T-O-F-F-I-C-E-S-P-O-R-T on Twitter. Um, full Front Office Sports on Instagram. Uh, follow us on LinkedIn too. That's that's a huge channel for us. And, and obviously subscribe to the newsletter. That's uh, awesome. that's the nearest, the easiest way to to you know get get to my heart, I guess, so to speak. Um, but yeah, man, guys, thank you again. Appreciate the time. Russ, it was awesome. I'm glad I finally got a hold of you for an episode. I know you're a busy man, and uh, and LinkedIn connected us. Yeah, definitely connected <laughs> Russ on LinkedIn for sure. Yeah. So we'll spread the word around town. Yeah, for an office sports is this spot. Okay. <laughs> Thanks everyone so much for tuning in to the Building Fires podcast. Yeah, man, we're planning on dropping episodes every Monday, talking to some amazing guests, and giving you the content you deserve. Boom. Farhaj and I are so grateful for you guys. Without. Oh. Far- no, I can this I can edit this. I know. Uh Far- Farhaj and I are so grateful for all of your support. If you can, please leave five stars and a review on your podcast app, whichever one you use. Farhaj and I would definitely appreciate it. I'm trying to get our uh, little podcast SEO up. <laughs> yeah, man. Well, you know, looking forward to seeing you next week and we're excited to make Ugh, one second. <laughs> looking forward to seeing you next week. We got some exciting guests for you. Boom. Guess for ya. Like a Guess for ya. <laughs> you scurvy curse. <laughs> 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 <laughs>